There's never just two sides to a sports issue. Welcome to Three Sides Sports Talk. With the first pick, the New York Jets select. With the third pick, the Cleveland Browns select. With the second pick, the Indianapolis Colts select. Welcome everyone to Three Sides Sports Talk Mock Draft Edition. Excited to bring this uh, episode to you. Before we get into our breakdown of the first round, let's talk about a few newsworthy items, including Alex Smith hanging up the cleats. Um, He was a polarizing figure from the day he was drafted, but I got to say, from everything I saw over the last couple of days, it was nothing but complimentary from everyone he has played with, uh, played under. He, He was the class act. Uh, for sure. The Comeback Player of the Year uh, award might, should get named after him, after what he went through. But as a former 49er who went through some tough times, Jerry, your thoughts of Alex hanging it up? Um, there's one word to describe Alex Smith. It would be grit, which is somewhat surprising because I never would have thought that that's the word I'd use uh, when he was the babyface kid the Niners drafted back in 2005. Um, you know, a Niners organization, which honestly did him dirty. I mean, he had seven offensive coordinators in his first seven seasons and went through all sorts of inept head coaches until Jim Harbaugh came to town. But the dude just persevered through it all from the struggles on the field to losing his job just because the organizations wanted a younger guy to obviously the horrific leg injury. I mean, he handled it all with such class. So as a fan, I can say all I can say is that it was an honor watching Alex play. Um, he definitely has my utmost respect, and I wish him nothing but the best in retirement. Yeah, I mean, talk about um, the baby face, right? You look back at when he was drafted; he's unrecognizable to where he is today, almost, right? I mean, and that was the big debate, right? Alex Smith or Aaron Rodgers, and what would have been if it was reversed? Who knows, right? But Alex Smith definitely thrown into the fire, like a really good example of going to a bad organization, right? Under With all the turmoil and the coaching and and then you don't really know what could have been really with Alex, right? Because he was just, the injuries, right? Didn't he like really hurt his shoulder and and just all the different offensive coordinators and then until Harbaugh finally came and, you know, it just steadied the ship, I guess, right? And then and then they, they eventually moved on. So, but watching him, yeah, rehab from that, that leg injury, I mean, just really bad. Like the determination to come back from that was 17 surgeries. Like that's even hard to imagine 17 times you're going in for surgery prep. I mean, I can't even fathom that having had surgery like once or twice, like, like that's, that's insane. So, I mean, to come back, I was actually a little surprised that he, that he hung him up. I thought maybe he would stick around for another year or two, but uh, yeah, best, best wishes to Alex. So two, two things, and I'm sure they're high on most 49er fans list and that being his throw to Vernon Davis in the playoff game was phenomenal. Um, but really his, I don't know what you want to call it, end around or quarterback sweep with Joe Staley leading the way that, that went in during that same game. I mean, that was, that was Alex Smith all encompassing and, and I'm excited to see uh, him move on after we forget he's he went five and one this year for the Redskins here or the Washington football team. He went five and one. And 
I'll give you a, I'll give you a stat. And it's just, it's one of those things that we talk about and it's going to be come into play in this year's draft. And Jeff, you kind of mentioned it, a good quarterback or a good prospect going to a bad team and bad coaching and, you know, what in an in unstable environment from Jim Harbaugh's first year when Alex Smith took over or when Alex Smith and Jim Harbaugh got together, Alex Smith's record was 80, 36, and one up until today. Only three quarterbacks in the NFL had a better winning percentage than he did. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Aaron Rodgers. So you talk about what can happen with a young prospect who just needs molding and needs coaching and needs to, you know, can't be thrown into the fire with so many offensive coordinators. I think we kind of get a glimpse of what Alex could have been under Jim Harbaugh, what he was under Andy Reid, what he was as a veteran uh, with Ron Rivera. And I mean, everyone will remember the the tough times uh, under Mike Nolan, but I think Alex, you know, imparted and, and ended up with a solid 16 year career. It's not, he'll be, he'll always be compared to Aaron Rodgers, and, and that's probably going to be unfair to him. But I think Alex can rest easy knowing that his, his career is complete and was, was a positive for him, his family, and, and all the organizations he played for. Before we get to the mock draft, Jerry, Trey Lance had his pro day. Has anything swung your opinion from Mac Jones to Justin Fields to Trey Lance now that all the, all the pro days, second pro days, everything has been complete that we know of? What are your thoughts? Yep, I know who they're going to take at number three. That's, do you want to share or it's, you it's going to be Trey McCorkle Fields? Yep, all three guys because they traded three first, so they should right. get to pick right. three players, right? Right. right. <laughs> okay, I know it doesn't work that way. I'm just kidding, but it is no surprise that the buzz has shifted to Trey Lance given that he's the latest to have his second pro day and a pro day that seemed to be entirely orchestrated by the Niners from Shanahan having his former quarterback, John Beck work with Lance to having Beck set up the entire pro day throwing routine to even having the former Niner Jordan Matthews running the routes during Trey's pro day. So it sure seems like the arrows are pointing towards Lance being their guy, but Keep in mind, Beck also worked with Justin Fields during this entire process. And now we've also got Sage Rosenfels, who was another one of Shanahan's former quarterbacks, saying that he could very well see Mac Jones being Kyle's guy, even though he was initially staunchly opposed that Jones would be that pick. So what it comes down to is this. I have no idea. I have no idea what the Niners are taking, but I put 100% of the blame on you, Todd. And why is that, you ask? Because Todd saw Kyle Shanahan a couple of weeks ago at Double D's in Los Gatos, and we could have scooped them all if he would have just asked who the Niners are going to take. But no, he had to be the nice guy and play nice. And now we're stuck riding this wave of mystery for one more week. No, you're right, because I, I, I saw in his eyes he was he was – he was begging someone to ask him so he could just tell someone. He, he just wants to tell. No one will ask him. No one will just come up and say, who are you taking? He just wants to tell everybody. I'm sure of it. So, <laughs> yeah. Jeff, quarterback thoughts. 
Again, I think like Jerry mentioned, I mean, now I'm like, at first I was like, Mac Jones all the way. And then now, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. I have to make a pick, but I don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah, so Mac Jones, yeah, you, you hear all this stuff. Mel Kuyper, oh, he's really smart. And Fields has his pro day, and he worked with his old guy, and he's smart too, and he has all these really high ceiling. And then Trey Lance and totally scripted uh, pro day from the Niners and working with Beck. And so maybe it's Lance. I no idea. They're being really quiet about it. Um, it just seems like, you know, even though I was all on Mac uh, prior, it just seems like the other two – may have a higher ceiling for giving up those two firsts. So I just don't know what they're, what they're going to do at, at this point. Um, but yeah, it all, it all hinges on that because then that changes where everyone goes in the draft. So. And I'll just hey. go ahead, Jerry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to add just before we get on to the mock draft, just in making this franchise defining decision, I, I just can't help but think about Super Bowl 54, which I know we hate thinking about. But to me, there's no question the Niners could have and probably should have won that game. But what prevented it from happening? Patrick Mahomes. Or more specifically, the elusiveness of Mahomes and his ability to extend plays. Because the Niner defense was dominant in that game for the most part and certainly dominant that year. But what type of quarterbacks gave them fits? Mahomes, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and Russell Wilson. Right. Because and, and, and honestly, I, I think if let's say Matt Ryan or Kirk Cousins or maybe even if the great Tom Brady was the quarterback of that Chiefs team, I'm not sure if they could have beaten the Niners that year because that defense feasted on traditional pocket specific quarterbacks. So now you may argue that, well, well, Brady beat Mahomes in Super Bowl 55. And okay, look, I'll give you that. But it's still a team game, right? At the end of the day, and not only the Chiefs defense rack up a bunch of penalties to give Brady like second chance after second chance. And the Chiefs were without both of their starting tackles, right? Mahomes had a run for his life to the tune of 500 yards before throwing the ball or being sacked because um, he was constantly under duress. But yet even under those conditions, he was still able to stay alive for one and give his team a fighting chance because of his mobility and escapability. So I just think in today's game, you need to have that club in your bag as the golf analogy goes. So even though Kyle's preference may not be that mobile quarterback, I still think like he needs to go in that direction. And it makes me think about Mike Holmgren and how if it was up to him, he probably would have never traded for Brett Favre, right? Because, but, but Ron Wolf knew better, and ultimately Holmgren had to adapt to Favre because Favre was special. And Kyle needs, in my opinion, to find that special talent and work his scheme around that guy. Well, like I, I told you guys earlier this week, I was listening to a lot of experts and a lot of – I listened to uh, John Beck. I, I listened to a lot of things over the week regarding the draft, and – each one of them sold me on all three quarterbacks. Every time you listen to somebody, they talked about field strengths and his leadership and his accuracy. And then you hear Trey Lance, you know, his desire, his mobility, his ability to work under center already. Then you hear uh, Mac Jones about he's not the athlete, but he has the quarterback feet from his tennis background. The fact that, you know, he has the most accurate, you know, downfield passes. So every single one, it has a legitimate argument. So when whoever the pick is, you know, 
it's not broken down evenly, but a third of the fan base is going to be right and excited because it was their pick. And it's very interesting, you know, that you start comparing the Super Bowl with Mahomes and, oh, if the Niners had their Mahomes, uh, you know, they probably could have won. And I will counter with an argument that I heard, which isn't my argument, um, but it made sense in the moment that because Jimmy missed some wide open looks, not the Emmanuel Sanders one, there was a there was two. There was one to use check and there was one to Kittle to move move the change late in the fourth quarter. If he had a smarter quarterback who could make those decisions, the game would have been over because they would have moved two more first downs. And then it, that made me think, so if he does have Mac Jones and Mac Jones does have the ability to read those defenses quicker and make those decisions quicker and get the ball out, that's where I can see Kyle going, this is all I need. I need Matt Ryan not to take a sack in the Super Bowl to move us out of field goal range. I need him to get get rid of the ball quicker. I need Jimmy to know that during that blitz, Kittle's going to be open on, on the wheel route. And I haven't had that. And that's what's held him back from winning the Super Bowl. So it's going to be interesting and dissected, not only on draft day, but for years to come, because these three quarterbacks are going to be linked forever. But isn't that why Jones wouldn't be the great pick? Because when you're saying if Matt Ryan wouldn't have taken that sack, what would Matt Jones have done? He probably would have had to take that sack because he doesn't have the ability to you know, to, to escape the pressure. No, but and, he, he would have got rid of the ball to the proper read instead of taking the sack. I mean, uh, you're talking about Kyle. I don't know. I, when, I, when I recall that play, I don't know if Ryan had that time to say, hey, I'm going to check. Or, I mean, I suppose if he would just call timeout or checked out of it, some, you know, whatever the play was. But I'm pretty sure that pressure came hot and heavy uh, immediately. I, no. And he, had, he, just didn't, he just didn't have the physical ability to get I, away. I'm, so, I... No, I get, I understand. I'm giving you the, the counter argument too. And we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. What happens if Jimmy Garoppolo was as healthy as Brett Favre? Never missed the game. What happens if, if Jimmy Garoppolo had the accuracy of Drew Brees? What happens if he had the, you know, deep ball of Tom Brady? Like all of those things. All of those things would greatly enhance Jimmy Garoppolo as a quarterback, and none of them entail being faster or breaking the pocket or or, or moving the well, stick with his leg. So that's why I'm saying it could that could be Kyle's thinking is I understand you might want more elite talent. I want a more elite cerebral quarterback. That's healthy. Cerebral's great, but I think the reason why that he's always unhealthy or always hurt is because he doesn't have the athleticism to get out of trouble. That's why he keeps getting hit. And, you know, going back to the, that Super Bowl, I mean, I think one of the reasons why he wasn't so accurate is because he was battered. I mean, he was, you know, like McGlinchey didn't have a great game and he was under pressure a lot. And I think that threw him off. Yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm, so I think that's part of it. It's, the, you know, it's not like, oh, if he could just be more accurate. I mean, there's a reason why some of these, these, these things happen to him. Sure, and I'm I think not, it, a lot of it boils down to the physical, his lack of. Yeah. yeah know, but I'm not saying, yeah, but you're, you're, you're equating physicality to health. I'm equating Jimmy Garoppolo just can't stay healthy. I'm not banging the drum that Garoppolo should be the quarterback. I'm providing the. Well, say any, any quarterback I'm equating to, if you can get out of trouble, you can stay healthy. 
Yeah, let me, let, me just, let me just jump in here. I don't know if, correct me if I'm wrong, Todd, but I don't know if the point is Jimmy's not the quarterback. We're moving on. It doesn't matter whether it's this Absolutely. year or well, yeah. next year, right? Jimmy, you're talking about the Jimmy type. The point, is, Jones, the point is Mac Jones may be smart enough to read that faster, but then Trey Lance can also uh, escape the sack. So there's you know positives for both, I guess is that that's what I was I was taking from what you were saying, Todd. It's just absolutely. A hypothetical, but either way, we're moving on. It doesn't matter. Right. No, absolutely. I mean, Jimmy's not the long-term answer. If, if Jimmy's on this team this year, it's because you know Kyle just has the money and the roster space to do it. And but the the quarterback of the future is going to be taken at number three. My simple, you know, discussion point or, or debate about it is. We don't know who any of these guys are going to be, you know, and all we're going to do is project. So, I mean, if I told you, if I told you Mac Jones was going to be Drew Brees, why wouldn't you take Drew Brees? You know, if I told you, in fact, in, if, if I said, look, Mac Jones is going, I guarantee I've seen the future and I'm going to tell you, Mac Jones is Drew Brees. However, I've also seen the future and between Trey Lance and Justin Fields, one of them becomes Patrick Mahomes and the other one becomes EJ Manuel. Are you going to take Drew Brees or are you going to flip the coin and still take the big swing for, you know, Patrick Mahomes? I mean, that's, that's my discussion. I mean, Drew Brees only had the one, he's put up lots of stats. He's only won the one Super Bowl, and no one's going to question how great he is, but they do question, you know, you know, he, he was limited, you know, size wise. He, he got, he wasn't quite as accurate down the field in the past few years as he got older. So that is my, and again, I'm not, I, I'm, you know, it, as we get into this mock draft, I don't have the 49ers pick. So I'll be interested to see who, who the Niners do pick in the mock draft scenario. But if it was me, I would not take Matt Jones because I don't see, I don't see him as the best prospect for the Niners. I'm just simply providing the counter argument to why people are totally down on Mac Jones. And that's, that's what I'm saying. If it ends up happening, these are the, these are the talking points that Kyle's going to start talking about and everyone's going to start breaking down. So, and, and I'll also disagree with your assessment that 30, like it's split 30 or evenly oh, no, that, between no, the number of people just, who want. No, no, want. that's, that's just, that's not my, that's, it's easier for me to do math of dividing everything into thirds rather than telling you 70% want this, 60% want this. Because you know what? I've said it before. It doesn't matter what the fans want. 100% of the fans could want Kyle Pitts. And Kyle Shanahan can give them double-barreled birds and say, I don't care what, you're, what you guys want. I'm taking who I want. There is, not, there is none of this outside – influence inside that building kyle is not listening to podcasts or radio he's not reading whoa whoa papers. whoa whoa Are you, he's not listening to our podcast don't don't hey, say that that, yeah. that hurts what do you mean not during <laughs> this but that's what i'm saying like it doesn't matter what the the numbers are there's a certain segment of the fan base who are going to be ecstatic or disappointed or downright outraged so I think if they take Mac Jones, the majority of the Niner fans will be downright in the downright outraged bucket. And that that's yet another reason why I think taking Mac Jones is an even bigger risk because I mean, to me, you take him, he's got to be exactly what you said. He's got to be Drew Brees. He's got to be Tom Brady because every little thing he'll be under the microscope and he'll be like, 
if he takes a sack, everybody see, see, he's not athletic enough. He can't get away from pressure. He throws an interception. What happened to this, this processing we're talking about? Where is that accuracy, right? I mean, this kid is going to be under more pressure here. I think than if he were picked anywhere else, we'll see, we are eight days away. We're going to, you know, have a week more to chew on the fat. But before we do, before we get to the actual draft, before Roger Goodell steps up to the microphone and announces to all those millions of fans in Cleveland, Ohio, that the draft is open, um, we're going to do our mock draft. So for those who weren't with us last week, uh, Jerry, Jeff, and I drew straws to see who was going to pick first, second, third, and we're just going to go simply around the table, uh, each taking a team. The first pick held by the Jacksonville Jaguars is also held by me. So I will be picking first, followed by Jerry, followed by Jeff, who has the 49ers pick. So that one will be uh, interesting. To start off, um, hopefully the Jaguars don't take their full 15 minutes because they've had how many weeks to dissect this? The fans fans (laughs) have already bought uh, wedding gifts for Mr. Lawrence and his, his wife. Uh, he's already donated money to the community. So let's hope all those things come true with the first selection. Jacksonville will take Trevor Lawrence. Next up, the New York Jets. So after going through the process and reviewing all the options with the second pick of the 2021 NFL draft, the New York Jets select Justin Fields, quarterback, the Ohio State. That's right, baby. Everyone thought the Jets were going Zach Wilson, but Joe Douglas wants a quarterback who's proven that he can produce against the best competition on the biggest stage, and it doesn't get any bigger than taking down Clemson and the guy who's just taken before him in the college football playoffs. So here's your first curveball of the draft, boys. Fields, not Wilson, goes to the Jets. Uh, It's it's interesting, and I'll just chime in with the fact that we talked about it last week. The Jets did go to Justin Fields' pro day. Um, they did not go to Trey Lance's. So take that for what it's worth. That might have been them sealing the deal. And didn't they trade Sam Darnold after Justin Fields' first pro day? Oh, definitely after their first pro day. Yeah. So, All right. Trevor Lawrence, followed by Justin Fields, leads us to the San Francisco 49ers. Jeff. <laughs> Jeff, who are they? Gary. <laughs> With the with the curveball, man, like, <laughs> was not expecting that. I think you're just doing that just to just to throw everything off, right? Like I don't know if that's really gonna happen, but that'd be great, right? Because the Jets, being the Jets, if you want to go ahead and take Justin Fields, sure. Because now the San Francisco 49ers will select my boy, the Mormon Mahomes, Zach Wilson. So for the First time in a long time, the NFL draft will start with three quarterbacks, leading us to my pick with the Atlanta Falcons. I think the the Falcons are a prime trade-out candidate, especially um, if it falls this direction. One of the four, we'll call them elite athlete quarterbacks, uh, will be left. So we're talking about Denver, we're talking about New England, and we're even talking about Carolina a little bit, even though they traded for Darnold that the Falcons might be looking to drop down, still secure a top 10 pick. But I think they're tied to Matt Ryan too much over the next two years. I think they're going to take probably the best player in the draft, 
they're going to take Kyle Pitts out of Florida. All right. So it's my turn with the Cincinnati Bengals on the clock. And like you were saying earlier, um, I think that the Falcons are actually either going to take Trey Lance for themselves um, to kind of sort of pave the way for the future or someone's trading up like Washington or Denver uh, to grab Lance in, in uh, the number four slot. But since Pitts is now unavailable because I could see Pitts also going to Cincy if he were um, either way, it's all about surrounding Joe Burrow with more support. And while it's tempting to reunite Burrow with his former pass catching teammate, Jamar Chase. I think Cincinnati will choose to bolster their offensive line instead. So with the fifth pick of the 2021 Anvil draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Panay Sewell offensive tackle out of Oregon. Uh, And again, we're talking about probably an elite tackle who might again in five years, you're going to look at this. And if he turns into Walter Jones or Jonathan Ogden, the Bengals will have at least for a year pushed aside their bumbling bungles moniker and taken a legit NFL star. So moving on to number six, the Miami Dolphins, who are somewhat tied to the Niners because of all the trading that went on. So did Miami get the guy that they wanted, even though they got out of the third position? Jeff, your selection. Yeah, I would say my so with the my first Miami selection today, um, a little a little surprised Jerry went that route um, because I thought for sure they wouldn't, especially with their off season for the Bengals, you know, signing that signing Reef, but but therefore that leaves uh, at number six the availability uh, for the Miami Dolphins of taking Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Interesting that we've gone this far, not even a consideration for a defensive player. It is all, it's all on the offensive side of the ball. As we move to number seven, the Detroit Lions are not going to break that streak. Um, They are going to also go with a whiteout from Alabama, Jalen Waddell. Interesting. Is it interesting? Who, what, what makes that interesting? Does Jalen Waddle? Well, it may it's, it makes a lot of sense because I mean, who do they have catching catching passes in Detroit right now? Probably probably not many options. But I guess I just think many, right? about the guys that are in charge. Your Chris Spielmans, your Dan Campbells, and I'm not sure Jalen Waddle, you know, resembles the biting the kneecap off type player. So that's why I made the comment, the interesting comment. And I was wondering if that's where you were going because I also struggled with the Detroit pick because I was looking for a blue collar. Like if there was a Indomitian Sioux, if there was just a, a defensive trench eater that could make a difference or there was a legit Bosa who could come off the, off the edge, I would have definitely gone that way because it does fit the profile of Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. I just do not see a legit defender right now who can make an impact. And by going wide receiver, you're at least going with a position of need and, you know, hopefully surrounding Jared Goff with more weapons so he can ultimately uh, succeed. So. But if the Falcons don't trade out of their pick at number four, I could definitely see 
the Lions being that spot where they trade down and having somebody jump up and grabbing Trey Lance because Lance is still on the board. And frankly, I don't yeah. think that he will get past that number seven slot with the Lions in, in reality. Well, I do. I agree. I think there will be a trade up option. Yes, yeah. up for him. But um, we're we're playing by we're playing by rules. So no, I understand, which is why it makes it very interesting now. Right. By the now rules. that the Carolina Panthers yeah, yeah. are on definitely, the clock, definitely some trades because I'm sure they would like themselves a little bit of this Trey Lance action. But they also did just trade for Sam Darnold, and they do need an offensive tackle. So, hmm. This is tough. Um, I guess I will say that with the eighth pick, because they'll need to protect Sam Darnold, they'll go ahead and fortify that offensive line. Um, so the Carolina Panthers will select Rayshon Slater, tackle, Northwestern. It will be interesting to see what Carolina does if this falls similar, and even if, even if Trey Lance goes in the previous, say, three picks and someone like Waddle is available or, I mean, Devontae Smith is available, Pitts and Chase, you know, are taken in this exercise. But what happens if they're available? I mean, couldn't the, the – wouldn't Matt Rule be drooling over the opportunity to pair Sam Darnold and Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore with another just big-time receiver? So that would be interesting. Yep, it would be very tempting. But then again, they've had a kind of revolving door um, at, at their tackle spot. Like I think every year they've had a diff different guy man that spot. So if they could get a franchise tackle, I think they would. They they couldn't pass that up. But it, like you said, it would definitely be tempting to take a skill guy. That's for sure. At number nine, the Denver Broncos are on the clock. Yeah, and I definitely think uh, back to what we've already mentioned. There's definitely gonna be some trades like already like i could see two or three up to this point uh happening so definitely some trades happening but the way we're working it out right now it's it's falling pretty good for the denver broncos at number nine and they're able to select quarterback out of north dakota state trey lance <laughs> i think it i think the broncos would you know the broncos could not get the card up there fast enough should right. trade lance right. be available uh on the board Yes. So that gets us to number 10 and America's team, the Dallas Cowboys. This is actually a consideration where they might, you might start seeing that first defender come off the board. Um, I was actually targeting Rayshon Slater for the Cowboys as their offensive line has kind of diminished over the last couple of years. That's what was such a strength for them two, three, four years ago, you know, when, they had Dak when they had Zeke um, and the offensive line was just so formidable and that's kind of fallen by the wayside. So if a guy like Slater was to fall to them, I could definitely see them making that move as it is the offensive linemen worthy of the top 10 pick probably aren't there. And the defensive side of the ball does need um, does need to be addressed. So with that said, the, the Dallas Cowboys are going to go to, probably the least sexy position and they're going to go defensive line. They're going to go Christian Bearmore, defensive lineman out of Alabama. Wow. That's oh, I think the most yeah. shocking pick thus far. Yes, I think so. Now, why did you go Christian Barmore? 
Well, I mean, part of it had to do with with need. Uh, the, you're talking about a, a defense who, and I and I considered a number of obviously defensive players. I, I considered Patrick Sertan, considered J.C. Horn. I don't see um, a linebacker right now sitting at ten. Maybe uh, uh, maybe the guy from uh, Notre Dame uh, could jump up there, but top ten. Ooh, that's a that's kind of steep. And you're talking about the Cowboys having to rebuild the the defensive side of the ball, and I think you're going to start with an explosive three technique, a guy you can put in there and collapse the pocket. You're talking about the NFC East. That isn't, there isn't a runaway winner. And right now you're talking about a team in the Cowboys that just re- needs to rebuild their foundation pieces. They have, they have the sexy picks. They got, they got Dak, they got, you know, Zeke, you got guys on the outside. You don't have anybody to protect and you don't have anyone to rush the passer. And looking at this, I just think you start building inside out. Hmm. Hmm. So um, I just, when I think of Jerry Jones, I think he likes the splashy name. So I thought you were definitely going Patrick Sertain. So that's all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he was, he was, he was considered. He was absolutely considered. All right. So New York giants are now on the clock and they, could go in a lot of directions here. O-line, cornerback, edge rusher. And I guess I figured because James Bradbury can't cover everyone, (laughs) Dave Gettleman decides to get him some help by taking Patrick Sertain, cornerback, Alabama. Interesting pick. Moving over to the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, it's it's nice that the NFC East was so terrible that they lined all three picks up like that. You're just going Cowboys, Giants, Eagles. So, yes, uh, the the, Phil, the Philadelphia Eagles, like you said, Jerry, a lot of needs there, right? They, like every team, you see these needs: edge, corner, receiver, interior offensive lineman. Right? <laughs> the Eagles are in that mix as well. Um, I was thinking about a couple of different directions here, but I think they've been depleted in their wide receiver category. So look who's still there. Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith. Boom. Boom. The Los Angeles Chargers now on the clock with pick number 13. As I looked at this pick again, I started seeing, I started seeing position needs that didn't fit what I thought was available. I saw offensive tackle, but you're talking about Sewell and Slater already being gone. You're seeing tight end and outside of pits. I don't see a, a tight end worthy of, of going in the first round. Wide receiver is also a need. Um, but again, you're talking about the main ones going off the board. So that kind of flipped me over to cornerback and defensive tackle. And as I went through this, I noticed that it, it was just, impossible to shoehorn the pro- the right guy into that spot. However, I did want to go reach a little bit because JC Horn, the cornerback out of South Carolina is getting a lot of buzz. You're talking about uh, the son of an NFLer and the chargers are going to fill that need. JC Horn cornerback, South Carolina. Good player. I don't know if that's necessarily a reach. I would say 
that uh, Justin Herbert might not be super thrilled because I think they need an offensive tackle. <laughs> yes, no, absolutely. So, uh, so you didn't consider Christian Derrissaw there, huh? No, no. I, I'll, I'll tell you, and it's probably a, um, it's a bias on my part. The very few clips and things that I saw on him, he looked out of place. He, he looked, he looked matchup dependent as a guy who would could battle the rusher straight on and on the inside. Outside, he looked slow. At least to me, he looked. He could not kick out. And when you're talking about, uh, you're talking about a spread offense or an offense that's going to need, they're not going to keep their tight end in. They don't. They don't run that. Shanahan, we're keeping at least a fullback, maybe a tight end in there. You're putting your tackles out on a corner. So if you're going to draft a tackle, that you better be either an elite tackle or a guy who can plug and play with some versatility. All right. So the Minnesota Vikings now on the clock. Huh. Are they tempted to get their next version of Kirk Cousins with Mac Jones still on the board. Well, that, that's it. That's going to obviously, if, if we were uh, Chris Berman and, and whoever's going to be on the set for, for ESPN and there, this will start to be the discussion point of where is Mac Jones going to fall? Where, you know, all the time he was supposed to go number three, where is he going to go? So I'm sure every team is now going to be evaluated to is Mac Jones going to go here? <laughs> All right, so um, everyone's linked an edge rusher to the Vikings throughout the draft process. So I guess I, too, will go edge rusher. So with the 14th selection of the 2021 NFL draft, the Minnesota Vikings will select Pay, defensive end, Michigan. Cool. I like it. Yeah, I don't know if I – Seems like all the mocks I looked at had the Vikings taking like a lineman or something, no? Offensive Maybe lineman? Not. It depends. It totally depends, I guess. There's I mean, so they, many yeah, of them so out they could have they I could have gone with Chris with Todd's favorite Christian Derisaw there. But he just convinced me not to take him with his bad feet. So yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, yeah, got, what's what's go ahead. I gotta say the New England Patriots are now on the clock. They're at number 15. <laughs> They've been linked to taking a quarterback. They've been linked to a possible trade up. Did Bill Belichick just sit pat and going to get his next Tom Brady? Jeff, you're on the clock. Yeah, the New England Patriots, number 15. I think um, so far this is, this has been, uh, for me, been kind of, uh, what's, what's the word, scratch? or <laughs> Chalk? No, chalk. chalk right? Like, like other than like Jerry uh, throwing the wrench in there with Fields, but then I just reached back and just took Wilson. But um, otherwise, like, who's these guys all seem to be falling? That's why it's hard to say like uh, like falling perfectly, I guess. But it's hard to say that that's going to happen that way with all these trades that are going to happen. So yeah, at fifteen. I'm gonna have to say the New England Patriots then are going to take Mac Jones right there. Interesting. So is and that get their quarterback of the future? Their next Tom Brady. And he can sit behind Cam until Cam gets hurt in week six. <laughs> so let me ask you, do you think do you think Belichick would take Jones there if he knew he was gonna be there, opposed to trying to trade up? Like if 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 you told Bill he could stay pat at 15 and get Jones, or he could trade 
you know, his first this year and his first next year and get Trey Lance, you know, in, in our, in our scenario, he, you know, he goes, he falls a little bit farther. What do you guys think Bill would do? It's really hard to say without knowing the, you know, without being able to trade, because I think they may have to, you know, assuming, assuming like the, if the Broncos do it as well, they trade up, then, you know, he's, he's going to have to trade at that point. I don't think, I don't think I see uh, Bill Belichick in real life taking a quarterback and with the first round pick personally. Um, yeah, but if you told me Bill Belichick spent half a billion dollars in free agency, I would have said, no, nah, that's not, that's not the way he rolls. But right. I think since, I think since Tommy left, Bill <laughs> had to reevaluate his, his strategy on, on roster building and how to, how to do this. I just feel that I, wasn't, I was thinking that too, Jerry, like I wasn't going to go that route, but there's Mac Jones sitting there. So yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense in this particular scenario, but in this particular scenario, if the Niners really wanted Mac Jones, they'd be kicking themselves because they could have had him at 12. Right. <laughs> You're right. If, if they were, if they actually wanted um, Mac Jones for right, sure, right. he would, he right. would be. No, you know, for me and again, in real life, I feel, I, I almost feel like, the Patriots are just following the Niners around because they're hoping that they're going to give and just <laughs> yeah. send them Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I think that's Jimmy what they're be like, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? You going to trade? You gonna yeah, trade? What are you going to do? Second or third? What do you want? Yeah. <laughs> I know. What's it going to take? Look, I'm going to follow you everywhere. You're, you're not going to be right. able to shake us. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> we are, All right, Todd, your turn. We are halfway through the draft. We moved to number 16. An NFC West opponent, the Arizona Cardinals. You're talking about a guy uh, or a team who has built a nice offense with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, they went out and signed uh, some running backs to to hopefully run the ball. But the same thing that has bothered the Cardinals, boy, forever is is their lack of a their lack of ability to shut down a defense. We saw it when the Niners played the Cardinals this past year. The Cardinals just blew every opportunity to shut down the Niners on multiple drives to get the ball back, and, and they just could not do it. It's, it's tempting to try and force a cornerback like Greg Newsome, uh, who I really like out of Northwestern, but here's where I think Jeremiah Owusu-Cormier comes into play. He's going to be the speed linebacker that the Cardinals can put in place. He's, he's, there, he's there, Kyler Murray on defense. He's going to be able to go sideline to sideline, and he might be able to make enough plays at the right time to force other teams to turn the ball over. So we're going to give Jeremiah Owusu-Cormier to the Arizona Cardinals, which hurts me as a Niner fan because – I think that's actually a really good pick. So I'm surprised you went with Jeremiah Owusu Karamoa with Micah Parsons still on, uh, still available. Yeah, uh, I have those guys kind of ranked in my head, very similar. I just see, I actually see uh, Owusu as a faster sideline to see, I see, I see him as Navarro Bowman. I see Micah Parsons, maybe a little, a, a poor man's Patrick Willis, a guy who's going to, he's going to make plays. He's going to make plays, but is he, he going to go sideline to sideline as quickly? Yeah, we'll see. All right. 
So now the Las Vegas Raiders are on the clock and they could go offensive line after parting ways with so many of their mainstays up front, but they also have to bolster that defense. And interestingly enough, I thought Micah Parsons would be off the board and I had them taking Jeremiah Owusu Karamo for all the reasons Todd just, just stated. But since Micah Parsons is on the board, that's who the Raiders will be going with. The, uh, the linebacker Raiders, out of Penn State. The, the Raiders have yeah. kind of gotten away from their Al Davis roots a little bit. They no longer just look at the 40 times and take the fastest <laughs> guy on the, on the board. But Micah Parsa, uh, Parsons is – it's, it's pretty good. And although if, if they go this direction, I got to think Mike Mayock is, is, has tied Gruden into his chair and duct taped his mouth because everything, everything John Gruden does is built around the offense. Now I don't see any offensive guy that you, he would be banging the table for. So, and he knows his defense needs to improve. So this might be Mike Mayock's biggest <laughs> challenge as to there's legit stars on defense available. John, we need to go this direction. Yeah, that was interesting the last couple picks because you know, it, even before that at 15, if it wasn't Jones, I was going to go probably one of those linebackers to the Patriots. They love their linebackers. So maybe one of those guys wouldn't have been there. And then, then on to the next, you know, two for you guys, Cardinals and the Raiders. I thought same thing for the Raiders. They got to go defense, right? They have to go defense on that. So um, linebacker would be perfect for them. And yeah, Gruden needs to just, you know, take that. So um, now to number 18, my second choice for my uh, Miami Dolphins. And just to remind everyone, it yeah. with the first, your first pick, you took Jamar Chase. So the Dolphins have picked up kind of their elite wide out and again number 18 pick what are they going to do yeah i'm tempted to go a different direction um not to not to give it away but i'm not going to i'm gonna i'm gonna go edge and i'm gonna go with uh aziz ojulari to bolster their edge and defensive presence for the dolphins i will say um on a side note jerry and i over the past how long six seven years we've gone through our own draft exercise where we've taken we've gone through the draft process and always drafted right in the middle of each each round so inevitably i start looking at guys who i think are going to be late first rounders so i would i would take this would have been my player if jerry, jerry if we were continuing our exercise this would have been my player because i see him as a, he's going to be in my opinion an impact player from day one and if you're going to the Dolphins, right now they're improving as an organization. You, you talk about them being a quality organization. Uh, Brian Flores is a good coach. Um, this might be a really nice fit for him. And it, it's I, I was I was waiting for that guy to fall to one of my picks where it would be a, just a natural dovetail fit, and it just wasn't going to happen. But I really like that pick. Yeah. Number. 19, WFT, the Washington football team. Again, we've talked about trade up, trade down. We're talking about uh, Washington possibly being it in, in this scenario if Trey Lance was available uh, and we saw the Patriots trade up 
for Trey Lance, you might see the Washington team look to possibly trade up into that 15 range if they wanted to get uh, Mac Jones. Their quarterback's not there. Their wide receiver might be there. And I'm going to have to do it, even though I didn't like it. And I'm going to have to take Christian Derisaw, the offensive tackle, out of Virginia Tech. Um, Because right now, as you start looking at this team, if you're going to play Kyle Allen or you're going to make a move for a quarterback, you got to protect him. We've seen what happens when teams don't protect their quarterback. I mean, you're all but calling it the David Carr syndrome. You're talking about a guy with immense talent and gets put behind a, a Swiss cheese offensive line. And it's never, it never results positive. So Christian Derrissaw, the tackle will be going to Washington, which is probably a better fit as a more conservative offense in Ron Rivera that, they won't be asked to run the spread and have him on the island as much. The Chicago Bears, number 20. They're going to take a swing. They're going to take a big swing and take Caleb Farley. Heck. Some people have him rated as potentially the number one cornerback in this draft, if not for some injury issues. Uh, back-to-back Vatech players. So that's, you know, interesting in itself, but I agree. Caleb Farley is someone who three months ago was talked about right up there with uh, Patrick Sertan as possibly one of the first corner coming off the board. He opted out of the college football season this past year. So by the time he gets on the field, it's going to be almost 500 plus days that he's gone without playing in a football game. Plus his back injury, which they say, was outpatient procedure and he's going to be fine for training camp. But those are the types of players that if they get pushed down the the draft board, it's worth it to take a swing by the Chicago bears, because you're talking about a guy who probably if healthy is, you know, a a top 10 talent, an eight to 12 talent, and he slides down to 20. At that point, you've got to look for those guys with the upside and the gems in the first round. And I think Caleb Farley is going to be one of those guys that everyone's watching on draft night to see, does he fall? And if so, how far? Indianapolis, the Colts. Yeah, the Indianapolis Colts at pick 21. This is the, uh, this is the part of the draft I was kind of dreading with the, with the Colts. I, 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 can't, I couldn't figure out who to go with the Colts. I don't think they need a guy like Vera Tucker in the interior. They need a tackle. But the great tackles aren't necessarily there. I don't know if Vera Tucker can play tackle. I know he played some, but I don't know if that's the, what they want to go with at that spot. And I'm not sure other positions of need. Are they kicking, uh, are they kicking Nelson out to tackle? Do you know if they're really going to consider that? Yeah, I've not heard. I, I would doubt it. But see, part of the problem with that is, so I don't know who all, who all is out there, but I saw at least Villanueva is still out there as a free agent. So to me, it seems like it'd make more sense to, for him, you know, go get like a guy like Villanueva and then go a different route, a totally different position in the first round. Um, but if they have to pick there, and I don't, you know, I'm not sure, like, there's not the best receiver there at that spot. So I think um, I'm going to have to go with uh, Tevin Jenkins, tackle Oklahoma State. That's interesting. That was a tough one. The, uh, 
I, I actually, I just saw uh, before we started podcasting or uh, well, earlier today that Jim Ursay did say that and take it for what it's worth. You know, sometimes Ursay is off his rocker and sometimes he's <laughs> such a straight shooter. You don't know if he's so honest, you don't know, but he said that they are, they are investigating offensive tackles in order to keep Quentin Nelson at guard. So it's, yeah. I would imagine would make more sense. Yeah, I would imagine it's not their primary objective to get kick out Nelson. Um, I think it's more of it would be out of necessity. But I mean, you're talking about an all pro, all NFL guard since he basically came into the league and kicking him out to a different position. You would hope they would try to address that. So, but Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State, you know, serves the need, as as we'll say. So. Tennessee Titans. Tennessee is a team that is interesting because they were such a good regular season team. Tannehill played really well. Um, they got into the playoffs and they couldn't stop anybody. They they got Derrick Henry, which you can hand off to him all day long and your offense is going to be pretty competent. And the defense let him down. Sitting where they are, the defense looks like it's got to go safety. It's got to go corner. I really like the player. I'm not thrilled with the fit, but Greg Newsome out of Northwestern, the cornerback, is, is too enticing for the Titans to pass up. So Greg Newsome, cornerback, out of Northwestern to the Tennessee Titans. The New York Jets with their second pick of the draft. First of all, is it interesting that Jeff drafted for the Dolphins both times and now I'm drafting for the Jets both times? I, I didn't even notice that until, <laughs> until I started going through the mock to see which who had which teams and knowing that a couple teams had number one. And I thought and I was thinking, oh well, I gotta pay attention because if I have one of those second picks, I gotta try and match up who you guys might have taken with their first picks. Only to find out, doesn't matter. You guys both landed, you know, <laughs> those picks, which, right. you know, yeah. All right. So, how are the Jets going to support their new franchise quarterback, Justin Fields? Let's add a stud running back. With the 23rd pick of the draft, the Jets select Najee Harris, running back, Alabama. I think this is a, a perfect – I think it's a great pick, first of all. And I also think this is starting to be the place where you'll see teams in the early second round who might be eyeing somebody trade up into the first round. This might be the selection area that Larry Kruger talked about. If you're going to go get Harris, this is where you got to target. And the Jets might be willing to make that move because they did – they, they got their, their quarterback. So can they accumulate a couple more draft picks and move around the board? I think, I think that might be a trade option, but you're going to start seeing those guys who are late first round gems start coming off the board. And if you're the, I mean, if this falls this way, Jets fans cannot complain. They absolutely, they cannot boo. They have to get over the, uh, the Kyle Brady draft picks of 15, 20 years ago. 
you're going Justin Fields and you're going Najee Harris. Big time player. So interesting facts there. Jeff, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers, like I was mentioning with the Colts. So they have not signed Villanueva. They may need a tackle. Um, but again, what tackle would I want to take there? And the Steelers, kind of like the, the Patriots, they love their linebackers, right? There's still some pretty good linebackers on the board. Do I go that route or do we go special specialist type of route? Um, I think at this point, I see the name still on the board there. Um, not sure how much they need it, but we're going to go ahead and go with Zaven Collins off the edge opposite TJ Watt. And as we just talked about, you guys each had two picks. Well, it's only fair that I get two picks. So the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> after having Trevor Lawrence, which was the absolute no-brainer pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, are going to come, come this way. It's going to be interesting in this pick because we've talked to, we, we know who Urban Meyer is. Urban Meyer is a guy who's coming from college and, you know, uh, he likes speed. He likes guys off the edge. He likes playmakers. Combine that with their general manager, Trent Balky, who's a grinder. He's, you know, he, he, he finds the guys in the trenches that, you know, he finds those guys appealing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see just what happens um, between these two. I will say there are a few guys on the list that um, I am considering, but I'm going to say that, oh boy, I'm tempted to go edge rusher, but I think, I think you got to protect the franchise. I think you're going Elijah Vera, uh, Vera Tucker out of USC to the Jaguars. Um, it, it's not as sexy as, as Trevor Lawrence and his flowing locks coming with the number one pick, um, but I think it's a, it's a better football move to make sure he's protected. Oh, I was, I was really, really hoping Jeff was going to have the Cleveland Browns pick. <laughs> as we do this, just – Anyway. Right, just, just, just for fun. Right? Or the, or the, the Jets, Jets, too bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was gonna have the Jets and the Browns, but the yeah. Cleveland Browns drafting at number twenty-six, probably as low in the first round as they've picked in a long time. <laughs> um, Jerry, who are the Cleveland Browns going to invite to join their team? So after Larry Ogunjobi left via free agency and Sheldon Richardson was released. I thought there was no chance that I couldn't get Christian Barmore at this pick. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But then I guess the lo and behold, the Cowboys swooped in and took him pick many picks earlier. So um, at this point, it might be a little early. I mean, I to take a Levi Onzu Zurike, is that how you pronounce his name, out of Washington? The huh? D-tackle out of Washington? Yeah. So I will go with, is it Jamin Davis, linebacker? Interesting. Okay. Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're talking um, Jamin Davis, the linebacker out of Kentucky. Um, you're talking about another guy who, you know, is, is, is built for speed, which I guess is, is the new th- – trend is you get the really big guys up front and you get the boy I, I don't even know these these guys might have been edge rushers before now they're now they're linebackers but Jamin Davis the linebacker out of Kentucky 
And number 27, Baltimore Ravens. They like their linebackers also, but do they need linebackers? I'm not so sure. I keep hearing they need a wide receiver, but what wide receiver would you take here? Such a tough exercise, isn't it? Um, I think I'm going to, you know, I think I'm going to not go wide receiver and I'm going to go with a different position, maybe a new Ed Reed or something. We'll go with Trevin Moreg, safety at a TCU. I was wondering if, if we we're going to get through the first round without a safety as the safety position seems to be, if not devalued, just not as plentiful in this draft. But you're right. The, the Ravens have been talking wide receiver all offseason. So it's clearly not going to be a wide receiver. That's, that's the way it's going to go. So, uh, Trevor Mooring, the uh, safety out of TCU, going to Baltimore, bringing up the New Orleans Saints. The New Orleans Saints, and, and I'll echo what you guys have talked about, is they're looking for a receiver. Um, and I, I am actually going to go in that direction. And there's two guys that I'm considering, and it's, boy, it's six of one, half dozen another, in, in my opinion, because you're either you're going with the, the really speed guy, you're going guy with a little size, but Rashad Bateman, the wide receiver out of Minnesota, will be the pick for the New Orleans Saints, giving – Whomever the quarterback might be, Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, somebody new, um, another another weapon on the outside. So we will go Rashad Bateman, wide receiver, Minnesota. Green Bay on the clock at number 29. I don't think the powers that be will actually do this because this would placate Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> but I am going to do Aaron Rodgers a favor and give him that wide receiver. And that wide receiver would be Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. That was the, when I said, when I mentioned on the Saints pick that there were two guys that I was uh, debating about, that was the other guy. So I, I am right in lockstep with about the value that these wide receivers are falling into. So. I, and, and you're right. I think placating Aaron Rodgers probably a year too late, but let's, let's try and make him happy at some point before he <laughs> retires. So good job, Green Bay. The Buffalo Bills are on the clock. Interesting. And when I was going through this exercise, I thought the Bills maybe need some help on the edge, but most of these edge guys seem to be gone except for one name. But I don't think I'm going to do that. I think I'm going to mix it up a little bit. Not sure what all, you know, just maybe give Allen some more weapons. And I'm going to go with Travis ATN running back out of Clemson. That's a good pick. Josh Allen can't do it all by himself. Right. <laughs> they may have running backs, but I think this gives them just another weapon, another dynamic option. I, I think it's a, I think it's a really good pick. I think, I think you're looking at, you know, you set the over-under on running backs going in the first round at about one and a half because you start getting down here and you're not quite sure if one of these guys is going to be available. But And, and when you're drafting this low in the first round, you obviously had a really good season. So you're, it's almost a case of the rich getting richer. You're talking about Josh Allen, an MVP candidate, and taking his team to the playoffs. And now what's he going to do with another weapon, another – you know, a, a guy to be able to get to the outside, to move the chain. So, yeah, that's a that's a really nice pick. 
Kansas City Chiefs, your Super Bowl losers on the clock at number 31. <sighs> You're going to have to look at the offensive line, and, and I'm going to stretch it a little bit. I'm going Samuel Cosme, the tackle out of Texas. It's, again, the Chiefs probably have gotten real comfortable getting, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the very last pick to be, you know, a nice offensive weapon. But if you don't have – we saw. If Mahomes doesn't have the time, he's not going to be able to be optimized. So let's get him some protection. And winding up the mock draft, pick number 32, the Super Bowl champions, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Who so, is your pick? Yeah, so, you know – they don't, I think most of their free agents came back. Teams pretty much sit, settled, but, you know, I guess they could use a little bit more depth in the, on that pass rush just because Jason Pierre-Paul is getting a little long in the tooth. And I know they just re-signed, uh, um, oh my gosh, help me out with the name. Shaq Barrett, yes, Shaq Barrett. But I still think they can use another uh, pass rusher. Could it be... Jason Away, Away, could it be Carlos Boogie Basham? Possibly. But I'm going to go with Gregory Rousseau. Greg Rousseau, defensive end out of Miami. Yeah, and I would just add that uh, that's a luxury right for the Bucks. If they could add one of these guys, one of these edge guys at that point, I mean, because I think if one of those guys could slip to the Niners in the second round, that'd be awesome, right? Whether, whether it's uh, Phillips or Rosso you just mentioned, or one of these other guys, like that'd be, that'd be a pretty good steal. Um, and that, that concludes the first round mock draft. I think we all agree that there will be trading kind of in that, especially in that eight to 14 range when, especially if uh, you're seeing a Trey Lance start to slide, somebody's going to jump up there. Uh, somebody might jump up there for the last, you know, of the legit pass catchers when you're talking about Devonte Smith, Waddle and, and Jamar Chase. So th there definitely will be some trade actions. However, as we went through this, you start to see fits in the beginning and you start to see fits at the end. Now, the fits at the end kind of makes sense because, well, those teams are already pretty good. And like Jeff, you said, they almost become luxury picks. I mean, you're the, you're the, the Buccaneers and you had a chance. You're flipping a coin between uh, Jason Owe, Jalen Phillips, Gregory Rousseau, all Basham, four really good edge rushers. The Bucks are going to make out in terms of because they did such a good job in the offseason. Um, and let's circle back to the Niners. I think because the Niners did what they did in the offseason, they're not painted into a quarter after this number three pick. After this number three pick, they can legitimately go with top corners. You know, they can get Stokes out of Georgia in the second round. If, if it falls like this and you have – for these edge rushers sitting there early in the second round, you can take one of these guys to, to rotate into your defensive line. I think that goes to what you were talking about right before the mock draft, Jerry, when we were talking about the Niners roster as one of these guys can be better than some of their guys that they have on the roster. So one of these guys can supplant uh, Kevin Givens, you know, type of thing on the defensive line because of his potential, because of his physical, physical acumen. So it's going to be fun to see. It's going to be interesting to dissect. And it's going to be 
it's going to be a lot to have to digest in a short amount of time because when you're the Niners and you pick number three, there's a long time to wait. Now, hopefully Lynch and Kyle are wheeling and dealing and, and at least taking phone calls and looking to see what they can do. I would love for them to do what, what Larry Kruger mentioned and, and get up to, you know, into the late twenties for Najee Harris. We'll have to see what happens, but anything that stands out on our mock draft, whether it be surprise picks that you thought went either way too early or too late, anybody who didn't go in the first round, who you thought, you know, is a surprise. Um, well, I think I mentioned it earlier. Um, I was surprised that Christian Barmer would we'd be going in the top 10. Um, I think that, I mean, I really like, I really like um, Merrig, the safety, um, but I'm just wondering, like, in terms of the Ravens, after losing uh, Judon, Matthew Judon, and, and uh, Yannick Ngakwe, do they need edge rushing? edge rushers or do they have guys kind of you know in the queue ready to go yeah um go ahead jeff yeah yeah i'm just gonna say yeah that was that was a consideration not being you know super familiar with their with their roster and what their need was at that point I, i echo what jerry was saying also I was surprised with Barmore at that spot. I hadn't seen him mock drafts. I've, I've looked at as well. He's late first type thing, but that's what's always interesting about the draft. There's always a guy or two that you didn't even hear of. that got, that gets drafted 10, 15, something. It's like, who's this guy? How this guy, why did this guy get picked? So um, other than that, yeah, I think it's a uh, pretty, pretty straightforward. Yeah. I think one of the things about Barmore and, and it goes to looking at just the draft, this, our mock draft in general, 32 picks, only one defensive lineman. And mm-hmm. every, everybody else who who would qualify as a defensive lineman is an edge rusher. Like we, there are no defensive tackles that are are looked on as valuable. But if you ask the teams who have the have the good ones, they're they're indispensable. So uh, I would I would agree. I think I think Barmore was was a bit of a reach, um, I, and I will say. It was going to be him or Sertain, um, and you're right, Jerry. Uh, Jerry Jones loves his his flair and his pick, so that might be it. Um, the picks that I, I thought were I, – I was very interested to see where, where Caleb Farley went, and I thought 20 was probably a, a perfect pick in terms of location for him. I was interested to see if Devontae Smith was going to go ahead of uh, Jalen Waddle. Personally, I think Waddle's actually going to be the better pro, which is why I took him um, at Detroit. The Colts, I think, are in a tough position because they are in need of an offensive tackle. I thought um, taking uh, Tevin Jenkins there was more of a, uh, a pick for need rather than a best player available. But when you're the Colts, um, there wasn't, in my opinion, someone who is outstanding left on the board. And I do wonder about the number of wide receivers as we had, you know, what, six of them? Well, depending on how you qualify. I mean, Pitts, Pitts is a tight end, but that's, that is an overwhelming amount of offensive skill positions that went in, in, this, uh, in this mock draft. So I hope you enjoyed the exercise because as I was going through it before, you know, since the last, our last podcast, you're starting to see 
rosters, you're starting to see who's thin where. You're starting to see who has an abundance of, say, pass rushers, but that's kind of who lines up uh, when it comes to the draft. So it's interesting to see how this all plays out. It'll, it'll obviously be interesting to see how it plays out eight days from now when uh, the draft kicks off. So I'm excited. It's our, our first mock draft special. Uh, we, we set the table real nice for Roger Goodell and all the teams. Our consulting fees are very low for anyone who wants to, you know, contact us for for our input. Um, But to put a bow on it, Jerry, what are your final thoughts? Because the next time we podcast, the Niners will have made their selection at number three. Well, I guess kind of piggybacking on what you were saying just a short while ago about um, how I think wide receiver and even cornerback, um, it's pretty deep. It's pretty deep in this particular draft class. So, you know, as much as we've talked about needing to address the defensive backfield, maybe in the second round, as high as the second round, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they waited till later. Like, let's say if a Wyatt Davis, you know, the guard out of Ohio State was available with their number 43 pick in the second round, I could see the Niners grabbing him. Um, and, you know, waiting on, like I said, in, in maybe in the day three, even guys, you know, local guys around the Bay Area, like uh, Paulson Adebo from Stanford or Cameron Bynum from Cal, right? Those cornerbacks could still be available. Uh, Shakur Brown, uh, Michigan State, Benjamin St. Juiced out of uh, Minnesota, right? And, uh, and, then, and then even in terms of receivers, like, you know, the Niners are going to need a slot receiver, but there's a lot of them out there. Um, you know, a couple of guys would be like Jalen Darden from North Texas. Um, you know, we have uh, camera man, Kate, I think Kate Johnson out of South Dakota. I mean, South there's just a, a number of them that could be available in the later round. So, so I kind of see, I, I wonder if that might be their strategy. Um, but, you know, look, needless to say, this is the most important draft of the Shanahan Lynch era, specifically as it pertains to that number three pick. Um, so, hey, one more week. And we'll finally know what the Niners have been cooking up this whole time. And I can't wait. All right. It's your last chance, Jerry. Who are they taking at number three? (laughs) I told you already. Trey McCorkle Fields. Oh, all right. If I had to make a choice, if I had to predict, I would say Trey Lance. That's, That's who I predict. Jeff, final thoughts. Yeah. And, um, I'd say, it's it just it just goes to show going through all this. It's all about the quarterback, right? There's so many other positions, but it's all about the quarterback and getting the quarterback right. Um, I, deba- I debated this all day as far as like who to take in this mock draft, and I can't go. What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? And then Jerry messed me up anyway, and because who I was gonna take uh, was was Trey Lance. If I, I came to the conclusion, it's gonna be Trey Lance. All those guys at his pro day, he's probably got the biggest upside. He can sit behind Jimmy. He's got tree trunks for legs. He can break tackles. He, he had a, he had a, you know, a similar style at North Dakota state. Um, he's young. Uh, he's got a hell of an arm, which I really want a big arm watching some of these other guys throw the ball. I can't have that, you know, floating duck or like the, I can't throw it deep. Like we've got to get a guy with an arm, you know, for this new generation of NFL talent. So as much as I thought, thought it was Mac Jones at first, I, I don't, I, I can't see it. Now, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, if they went Mac Jones or Fields. Um, the one thing, I guess, about Fields I heard today, I never heard this before about him dealing with epilepsy, so I'm not sure if 
that's going to scare teams off and make him slide down boards. I don't know if you guys heard that. Um, so yeah, I, I would say Trey Lance. Um, and then from there, yeah, it's all about the quarterback. So that's why I think that's why I'd like to see the Niners take it at that, at that spot. And that'll obviously shake up everything. And who do the Falcons take Do the Broncos trade up the Patriots trade up on and on. So I think most of the guys we mentioned though, are probably going to be first rounders. I would say. Um, yes. And I think I, I'll, I'll make it a trifecta. If I'm, if I'm in the prediction business of, if I had to pick right now, I think the Niners take Trey Lance. So I mean, sorry, Niner fans. We just jinxed it. That's absolutely who they will not be picking. <laughs> I think we all agree on it. But um, I, I would also, for all those reasons you just said, I think I think he would. I think he'd look great. I think he'd look great in the Niner uniform. I'm excited for the prospect of watching him play. I'm excited for the prospect of seeing what they do with Jimmy Garoppolo. If indeed he does stay on the roster, if he does, if if, if he makes it to training camp he's going to make it to, to opening day because who's really going to make a trade unless there's a devastating injury late in training camp to get, you know, a proven pro. So if it's Trey Lance, maybe you do keep Jimmy and you keep Jimmy there until he either, you know, plays himself out of the starting job or gets hurt. But my final thought really is how exciting it has been over these past four or five months to work on this podcast, to talk with you guys, to get the feedback from listeners, to hear things. And I've never been more excited than to see a picture that I saw a few days ago. One Mr. Jeff Kerpinski has three side sports swag. It's unbelievable. Look at that. For those of you on watching on YouTube, that is the shirt that you need. That is the shirt that you want. So all of this draft talk has now come down to secondary to the wardrobe du jour. So right. we've talked we've talked so much about quarterbacks. We've talked so much about draft picks. We've talked so much about what the Niners need to do. It's not now time to close the book and let them do it. So thank you, everybody. For Jerry, for Jeff, thank you for listening to our mock draft edition of Three Side Sports Talk. We will let you know when the merch drops and you're available to pick up a shirt that Jeff has. Until next time, we will talk to you the night of the first round and talk about the first round draft pick. One, maybe two, we'll find out. For Three Side Sports, good night. (laughs) 